Hey, this is Elise, and you're listening to Cool Moms Podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 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 Welcome back, y'all. Thanks for listening. I have had some shit on my mind, per usual, that I wanted to share. Um, one of which is the fact that I have literally not had a job for the past really long time in like my adult life. Uh, probably aside from like a gig here and a gig there, uh, to the disappointment of my mother and my bank account. I have not consistently been working. And I think that's for a few reasons. Um, one of which is the fact that I don't like going to work. <laughs> I mean, just to be like totally frank, I realized in my like young adult life, I had gotten fired from every single job that I have ever worked from Urban Outfitters to the glorious firing that I had at American Apparel where I stood up on top of the counter and said that American Apparel does not care about their black employees. Very Kanye West style because it was true at the time. Um, So yeah, maybe it's like my my issue with authority or maybe it's just because I probably should be working for myself. Hence, talking to you guys here on this platform. But now that I've become a mother, um... Of course, you know, you got to get into like go mode. And I start to really consider slash my mother starts to make me very much consider um, how am I going to make a consistent living? And so this has been part of my transition in L.A., my transition in life um, is figuring out where I stand career wise uh, and getting really focused on that. And I realized that what has had me the most fucked up is the fact that living in like, what do we want to call it? Influencer, a la content creator culture um, has really coddled me and put this like, had me living under this guise that I was living better than I actually was. Because uh, it's like, oh yeah, this panty company wants you to like shoot some content and they're going to pay you 5K. I'm like, Psh easy done and then some other brand will hits you up and then before you know it you're getting like 3k here and 5k there and oh shit a $15,000 gig I'm really good now and I don't think that we are millennials I'm speaking of are a culture of lazy people I think we are a culture that is trying to understand how to work within a different framework at least maybe I am or was and I really thought that I could just gig it until I made it. Uh, where influencer culture kind of started for me and like the the seed that was planted that, that screwed me up is being black with natural hair. Anybody who's black with natural hair who was on the internet circa like 2014-ish probably was started to get hit up by brands. If you do some awful Google searching, you will see me with jars of natural hair care products. <laughs> Looking nuts. <laughs> Slinging product. And then I started working for a celebrity driven uh, website that you can also Google 
but I was working as a music editor of that site. So then that was like a whole new wave of like influencer. I am adjacent to this celebrity. Everybody cares. Um, So then I got like a bunch of stuff because of that. And then after that, then it was the art, I think. Yeah, then it was the art, which made me feel a bit more valid. Like, oh, no, I'm really doing something. I'm making things and these brands care. And there was always like a carrot being dangled in front of me, right? Every time shit got really low, I got really stressed financially. Something would come through out of nowhere. Someone would email me. Be like, hey, Elise, can you hashtag this thing? We're going to pay you 2K. And I'm like, ah, okay, I'm good. Now I can breathe again. Until like another 5K, 10K, whatever came through. Um, but, but in that, what I realized is that I was not learning how to have real long-term um, managing and foresight in terms of my career. And not to say that I wasn't goal setting, not to say that I wasn't setting intentions or, you know, like creating, what are those things? What are those things when you, um, vision boarding, you know, I was doing all of that manifestations, praying, meditating. Um, but I didn't understand what it meant to create opportunities that did not exist, which for some of you listening might sound kind of crazy, because it's like, oh, well, like this podcast didn't exist. Or maybe a lot of the visual art, visual art work that I do didn't exist. But I also didn't understand and I'm just now learning to understand how to really develop those things into a sustainable career. And not just a gig, not just a new Instagram account, not just a new website, um, but something that has real legs that will hopefully live in some capacity beyond me. Um, And if nothing else, just like make an impact. You guys send really nice messages about it. So anyways, I've been like thinking all of this because it just now really occurred to me in this past year living in L.A. um, I was talking to, I was talking to Elle. Talking to Elle, I was like, Elle do you think I work hard enough? And I ask her because Elle is a fucking Capricorn and she is a nutty, nutty workhorse ass person. And I'm always like, you know, comparing and being like, I'm not doing enough. And I realized that I think for us to, us as a millennials, people who are pursuing creative endeavors and careers, you know, we really have to go after things that do not exist and not be glamored by the things that are presented to us. Um, And that's where I have found myself today. Um, And I say this also because I took this really nutty ass trip to Oakland this past week um, where I literally went to Oakland for the day. So I was on two flights with Sargent in one day within a matter of eight hours for a shoot. And like that sounds cute, but it's also not cute when (laughs) I was in the bathroom trying to change my pad and Sergeant had never seen this act done before. And he started yelling poop, P-U, really loud in the public bathroom. And I'm like, shh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's not poop. And next thing I know, uh, he gets really concerned because I'm bleeding and he is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Because he sees that my body is bleeding. And like, 
I'm trying to shoot all this content for Cool Moms Insta Story for some of you may have followed it um, to try to show like the real life of what it means to like get booked for a shoot and like do mommy and me content and that it like wasn't it was cool. It was cool. It was a cool thing to do. But I was like, I did this and I probably could have done less and made more. So, you know, I could have not been on a flight. I could have. And this is not coming from a place of not being grateful. But just so this is like the stuff that I've been mulling over, um, mulling over this week and motherhood in my life. And kind of, I guess, a word of encouragement to all of you is that don't settle for the shit that people bring to you. Because people are going to nickel and dime you. I have been running around ragged for this, for the next Mommy and Me shoot that I'm doing for barely my rent um and hoping and manifesting that those things are going to kind of come to an end because it's not sustainable and i am tired of chasing invoices and i know many of you feel the same way so this ain't supposed to be like a negative nancy thing but this is again hopefully like just like a moment of encouragement like stick in there it's okay if your kid sees your pad. It's okay if you're crying and chasing a $1,000 check um, because this is kind of the culture that we live in, but also a culture we can get out of. So I'm really excited because today, one of <laughs> probably the first people that I met, actually, I don't know if you know that, no. when I, since moving to LA at CAM, when we met, yeah. yes, that was like, I don't know, week one. Wild. Wild of me like living. a year ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm celebrating my one year. We have Essence Harden. Essence is an independent curator, uh, a, an arts writer, and also a PhD candidate. Are mm -hmm. you still yeah. pursuing your PhD? Okay. I am. We're in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're in it. <laughs> Just wrapping it up sometime soon. That along with your baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How Perfect far, timing. Yes. How far along are you? <laughs> I'm nine months. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you for being here. <laughs> I have three weeks left. Oh, my goodness. What's the due date? The 19th of March. Wow. Yeah. A blessing. Yeah, I feel good. So, so exciting. I just do whatever. <laughs> are you like, are you like itching at this point for things to get going to the next step? I'm hella itchy. I feel like that much. <laughs> Don't scratch. Really? I no, really. I mean, do whatever you want, but people told me don't scratch. And I was like, it doesn't mean anything. And I really do think scratching caused the stretch marks that I never wanted. Fair. I try to just stay greasy. Yeah. I mean, I'm already greasy and black, <laughs> but extra greasy. Um, trying to get things moving. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I have work up until the second, the fourth of March that I'm committed to. So mm -hmm. I'm like, if you could just not be too early right but also please don't be late right <laughs> like my child um <laughs> it feels like a real crap shit oh it is nothing went according to plan good Yay. luck <laughs> um i think talking about being black and oiled up is a great segue um into, like where is this going <laughs> into um being a third generation Oakland native. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of want to start there because I know that you speak about that quite a bit. And so like, what is the significance of that? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I'm not native. I'm not indigenous, but okay. my family's generationally from there. Right. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. 
Um, what does it mean? I, I mean, I think it's one of the most... I think being a black Californian is kind of a funny thing because mm-hmm. um, we're not that populous, especially now in the 21st century. So I think having like that kind of familial legacy in a place and a place that is known for something in particular. But my family's pretty regular, so they didn't do anything like <laughs> you know, everyone wants to be like, oh, I was a panther. I'm like, my family wasn't panthers. They were right. just regular ass people who lived there. But I think, you know, it's one of it's my hometown and I have a real... And like forever love for it. I don't want to live there ever again, mm-hmm. but I do love it. I love going home and my parents, like all everyone lives kind of scattered throughout the Bay Area because it's extremely expensive to live in Oakland. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite places. It's beautiful. It's like a rich, rich legacy. And I think, yeah, having that kind of generational input has meant that the stakes have always been quite high for us there and high for us in California because... Even though I'm from Oakland, everyone lived in L.A. first. Right. And then, like, eventually found their way up there. So when you say that your family's pretty regular. Yeah. <laughs> They're regular. <laughs> Just regular Mom's black meter folks. maid, you know. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Did that, do you think that had some sort of impact or shaping in terms of you? Because I, I think from the periphery, you live a fairly extraordinary non-regular life <laughs> in terms of like your pursuits. Isn't Ooh, that? the internet. Right? The internet. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The theme of the show. <laughs> I mean... I just I'm, ate a bag of chips. Like it's like I'm pretty regular. But I also was like googling your shoe that you designed. Yeah. With your partners. So like that's kind of not regular. <laughs> just by the way. Um, so do you think that that coming from that experience led you to want to like pursue things bigger than what you saw? I think there were no limits, basically. Like no one had any pressure on me to do anything. So because of that, I was like, do whatever I want. And that still feels kind of true to my ethos today. No one was like, you have to go to college here. You have to get a job doing this. My mom was like, don't work for the city. <laughs> yes. She, like, and my dad worked for the city too. You know, like don't do these things, basically. Try not to have kids when you're a teenager. Please. Like my parents did. Yeah, yeah, Right. Yeah. So like, they were like, if you don't do that, hey, <laughs> the world's opened up to you. So I moved to New York when I was like 19. I lived there for a while in Brooklyn. And then I moved back home and like went to community college for Mad Long. I just have always been able to, I don't know, kind of freely explore without the pressure of a family being like, this is the right pathway. Mm. Um, and we were, and there was just so many of us too. I'm like a middle child. I have six siblings. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. So it's like, yeah, you seem like you're alive. That seems pretty good. <laughs> <Check>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> One of them's doing all right. right. That's fine. She ate today. She's smiling. Yeah. She seems like she's taking care of herself. And so I think even moving here or getting a PhD or, you know, whatever random thing I've decided to do, designing shoes has all been about a level of I don't like craftiness or like Mm -hmm. I always call myself like a little like gutter rat because it's just like I'm going to figure out how to get what I want (laughs) at any particular moment and just being crafty enough to kind of piece things together um which is getting maybe harder because I'm pregnant (laughs) but (laughs) you know before it was easier and more energy (laughs) absolutely um I I I have this, I mean, again, the thread (laughs) of the conversation I was having earlier, but also just the conversation I have in general. Um, You know, I think I was drawn to collage work because that is how I've approached life. It's like, oh, I got a little of this. I pull from here. I pull from here. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it. Yeah. I'm going to make a new picture (laughs) out of what I got. And that has been great up until two years into being a mom. And it's like, oof, 
You're like, okay, so it's you have to eat every day. <laughs> Without, it's literally, as soon as he opens his eyes, he's like, hungry. Hello. <laughs> and I like to spoil him. So it's like, let me make a spread. And I'm like, oh, I got to keep this shit up. I agree. I also like to spoil myself. So mm-hmm. I imagine this person will. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> eat well. <laughs> so Priority. when we're talking about kind of like, uh, the trajectory of your career and where you started. Um, I know that you have have and have had your hand in quite a few things. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, for lack of a better word, fell into curating. Yeah, oh, that's a great word. Yeah, <laughs> that's you literally fell, what happened. <laughs> you fell into curating um, with Black as a Color. Yeah. And that was your first show that you curated. Can it you was. talk about that? And what does that mean to fall into curating? And what, what the fuck is curating? Ooh, fun. Um, <laughs> I fell into curating. It is true. I My really good friend, Sadie Barnett, is a visual artist. And my friend, Adie Roberson, is also a visual and performing artist. And we went to Black Portraitures in South Africa which was in 2016, I'm pretty sure, in Joburg. And so we like put together this presentation and I was just doing it because PhD stuff. I'm like, yeah, of course, I'll just put all the research together. (laughs) Um, And while we were there, I was just like thinking a lot about like color and black subjectivity and like how the sort of range or spectrum can become this abstract space to really think about um, black placement and presence. And... It seemed kind of fun to me. And I told Sadie this, and Sadie's gallery is Charlie James Gallery here in Chinatown in L.A. And uh, she was like, you should tell Charlie, you should make this an actual exhibition. And I was like, really? Uh, Okay. And I felt pretty shy about it. I've been writing about art. um, But no one, you know, but curating is different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Sadie kind of just took it and actually made an introduction to Charlie was like this is Essence Harden she has a great idea Charlie was like I've read your reviews and I did a couple for his um, space so it's just like they both were like yeah let's do it and I was like oh okay this is like real shit and so like summer of 2017 was when the exhibition happened and I just you know had been building art community friendship um, living here everyone's been mad open and kind and sweet like yes. since we like got here which is like four and a half years ago. So like I asked like Lauren Halsley, I was like, Lauren, you want to be in my show? Like Kenyatta AC Hinkle, you want to be in my show? AD, Sadie, Patrick Martinez. Um, yeah, it was just was really, it kind of just felt like a natural next step. And I think that's the kind of fall into when you have a really good supportive community. I also sound out of breath all the time, even though I'm like, I'm not doing anything. My lungs are deeply impacted It's by the giant baby. nine months pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not moving, but here I sound like I'm tired. But uh, Take your time, drink your water. <laughs> you know, you have community and that's what community can do for you, right? It's like build you up, make you see things you didn't see in yourself. And hmm. the show was good. It was a success. It was hella fun. And I was like, oh, I have a knack for this. And really since then I did like... I think right now I'm at like 12 exhibitions and this is like two and a half years ago. So I just like really. She hit the ground running. Yeah. I just got, I was like, hey, let's do it. And it was like, people just came to me as well. Right. Like I kept writing about art. I kept taking phone calls and answering emails. And then it was like, you're going to curate at CAM, which is like the California African American Museum. So I've done two shows there. And Naima J. Keith, who now is at LACMA was the uh, chief curator at CAM at that time. And so she just reached out to me after seeing my show, Black is the Color. And I was like, oh, damn, like, this is like a really open <laughs> like community <laughs> of folks. And I think that's something about Cali in general and Los Angeles in particular, where people are like, 
if you're doing it and people want to support you, you'll get that support. And that's how I take on curating as a sort of, it's a, you know, a ethics of care mm. where the art is the, you know, supposed value. And I think it's important, but I think just as important, if not more, is your relationship with people. Yes. Like taking care of the artist, the narratives we're telling, the spaces we're telling them in. Um, I take curating as like a whole ass practice. And I think being a researcher for so long, because the PhD, I tell you, takes mm. a long time. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> it like, you know, it really cemented like deep research and really building relationships with people will make you have an exhibition that's worthwhile, not just putting a bunch of art that looks good together, right? but a level of like, yeah, I think attention to detail mm-hmm. and patience with everyone and yourself. And, you know, working with artists is, I'm a pretty chill person. I mean, so I, like, don't wor- I don't mind it, but I mean, you got to be, you got to be on it and kind. Yeah. For most people. Hurting cats. So much just like, it's just a bunch of cats out here. Man. And I love cats. So it's easy enough. I'm like, okay, I'll just remind this person a hundred times or like try to alleviate someone else's anxiety. Like, it's fine. I think it's pretty fun and therapeutic part of the practice too. We thank you. I say that from the group of artists. Um, and I, I know just a caveat. I always hope that I'm not the most difficult person on the project. I'm like, damn, it's just like be a little more on it. Like, don't be the one on the project. Was like, damn, we gotta hit her up again. Um, <laughs> you're doing, you're doing fine with me. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I, I kind of want to backtrack because the second curator that we've had on here, which I'm very proud of, um, the first being Rujeko Hockley. Rue, Rue, we love Rue, and Rue was pregnant. Oh. Yeah. Rue was pregnant when she was doing this. When she was on Cool Moms, and she was pregnant, and it was right before the Whitney Biennial. So, she, <laughs> naturally, Rue was doing the most. Doing man. the most, um, and so I'm really curious, kind of, about the culture of Black curators, and if there's if there's a, like this thread and sense of community between all of you, and how do you all interact within the curating space? Yeah, I would say there's definitely a sense of community. All my mentors, my like. Homies, yeah. I mean, Aaron Cristoval has been paramount. Naima, I said already, paramount. I'm also like non-black curators who are women, like Diana Nawi, another person who's been really vital to me. Thelma Golden was really kind every time I've met her. Um, I think I'm on a panel with Rue next week for Julie's show at LACMA. You know, like I think it is a really supportive kind of sustainable community-based practice where we're really looking out for each other, we work in tandem all all the time. Opportunities that don't fit for one person, they're like, oh, like Aaron would be like, oh, I can't do this. You want to do this thing? Nice. This person hit me up and kind of building those relationships over and over again. Um, it feels mad. I feel so lucky. Yeah. And I think out of all the things I've done, it's being here in this moment with the world of art. It's been the most um, supportive and substantial work mm. I've gotten to do because it feels like such a community-based practice. And yeah, it's a lot of collaboration. Right. And possibly on the other end of that spectrum in terms of academia and pursuing your PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, one, what are you pursuing the PhD in? And and then also this question has come up amongst my friends. Um, and it's the, this idea of like, do you feel like academia and, and being entrenched within that culture dilutes your creativity in some way? Mm. Yeah. I mean, 
means shit. <laughs> School. So I go to UC Berkeley in the Bay, but I live here because I passed my quals years ago. And then you can kind of do what you need to do. Um, my research is based here. And my degree is in African Diaspora Studies, which is housed in the African American Studies Department. So in that regard, I have a you know a non-traditional relationship, I think, by virtue of just those departments and those objectives of those departments um, and degrees or fields of study. So it's already like I'm not in history, I'm not in sociology, I'm not in a really white space. Right. So that helps. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think with academia and the question of creativity, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's a really weird transition. I don't, as I said, my family, no one, my sister has a college degree, but like that's it. Um, and there's a lot of us. So it's pretty, it was alienating over mm-hmm. and over again. And I wanted to do it because I was like, sure, why not? And it just happened. And it kept happening where I was like, oh, I applied. I got in for undergrad and I got in for graduate school. And it was also where I lived already. So it felt almost like natural. And I was there and it was really tough. And I think it's still tough, but it's just a lot different because I do all these other things now, which help kind of feed my brain in a different way. Um, and I think, yeah, you got to like, I mean, if you do, you, yeah, it's it's been necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, it's like going to therapy or like swimming or something where you move your body and you have a different type of energy. And it's really hard to do that in that particular setting. Right. The setting is hard. It's meant to be hard for a variety of reasons. And I don't have to go on a whole like rant about it. But I do think that there are good parts of it where I'm like, I know how to research. um, And that's like a valuable ass skill. And I have a lot of patience with reading and, you know, theorizing, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, um, and spending a lot of time just like my engagement level can be quite deep with any subject matter and that's what that's what they taught me right and so I appreciate that and I think especially around blackness I really appreciate it and so having that kind of you know like vernacular is important at least for me but I had to do other shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) or I was not going to finish that's what it felt like Mm. that like having an adventure doing something else reminded me that I cared about finishing it reminded me that I could change my dissertation which I did Mm -hmm. um and that it was a worthwhile pursuit but I think when I was just in it and it felt so heavy and all-consuming it was really tough Mm. so curating or or maybe the arts in general kind of was like the breath of air that you needed in the absolutely midst. and like doing these random creative things with like my partner i did we did stuff in the bay area we like made we, he's a, a painter and also makes music but we like did exhibitions together where mm-hmm. we just like had art up right that like we would make and it felt good to use my hands and to use my brain in a different way yeah yeah let's talk about love since you brought up your partner <laughs> he's cute yeah he's so cute <laughs> i was i was telling annette um i went <laughs> I rarely go out, but I've just always been that way, even before having a kid. Hey, I'm a tourist, so welcome to my life. Thank you, because we were going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Scorpio, and I don't know if that has anything to do with me going out, but... You got um, some moon or sunrise, some shit's... No, see, that. I think that's what up. helps me go out. The, like, Gemini rising is like, oh, be bubbly. Yeah. And then the Aries moon is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a wild combination, wow, dude. I know. <laughs> I exhaust myself. Um, <laughs> anywho, so we went out to this party. Um 
And it was like such an amazing dance party. I have not heard great music where I'm just dancing and sweating nonstop. Sorry. And I saw your partner oh. and he was, <laughs> that's where this was going. And he was just in his own world, just like getting in. I was like, oh, he's probably by himself. He, he totally was. That. Absolutely. I was like, he's fucking having a great time right now. Solo. I was like, this is great. And so I was like, oh, that moment where, you know, you recognize some from the, someone from the Internet. But, like, don't be a weirdo and not say anything. So I was like, I'm just going to, like, tap him while he's in his bubble and be like, hey, you're Essence's partner. I'm sorry I'm not calling you by your name. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> um, he was like, yeah, um, so nice to meet you. So we hugged. And then, and then it was this funny moment of where I think he had some, like, non-projected like guilt where he's like she said I should come out and like dance for a while I was like it's okay man I know she's home pregnant I'm not judging you for being here dancing have your freedom right get your now. life exactly because you won't soon <laughs> three weeks <laughs> I hope he's dancing somewhere right now um so how did you all I mean I'm I'm such a, a lover and a proponent proponent of black love yeah. um so was it was it a conscious choice um, to find a black partner? Was it a conscious choice to find yeah, a black partner? I was yeah, all thinking, I was like, oh. uh, well, okay. Well, I met Jahari and I had a whole ass boyfriend yes. for, that I had for a really long time who was like, I was in the process, I don't know, Taurus, creature of habit stuff where I'm like, I need to not be with this person who's really nice, nothing's wrong with them. I just don't want to be with them anymore being very slow about that he was a whole ass white man and he's really nice and he's still my friend but uh yeah just being like i don't want to do this and jahari was my friend like he worked at this coffee shop in oakland and i just used to go in there and there were like two black dudes who worked there jahari was one of them the other guy's aj also an amazing person um and so it just kind of went from friendship to me being like discussing all my like problems with what I was doing with this person <laughs> um, or just wanting to leave. And then Jahari just being kind of a supportive element within that. And then eventually I was transitioning to like dating and then being like, okay, we're together. And I was pretty grouchy about it because I wanted <laughs> space. I was like, fuck, like I had a boyfriend for so long. Right. What the fuck? I wish I had like love happen. Yeah. But here the fuck I am. Right. So I'm like fully pregnant and like married to Jahari. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess you won that. I think. Right. But for me, I think like I had always dated black dudes and Latino dudes and white men. And I guess it didn't feel as alien. I don't know. I don't think I thought about it. Um when it was actually happening, I think as we've been together, it's been like a real point for both of us to deeply consider. And I think even us becoming friends was like a point because for Jahari, that wasn't true. I'm like the first black woman he ever has dated. Mm -hmm. And then he married me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we went from, you know, not at all to like being fully in. So I think it was a real point of contention when we were like homies where I was like, suspect of all kinds of things about him but also liked him because I thought he was fun and like smart and weird um and a good time overall but yeah I think we really had to and still continue to talk about the sort of significance because we're also like we're like very richly brown-skinned people you yeah. know and having a baby that I'm like I'm pretty sure you're going to be like dark right um and a world that is not only anti-black but really dislikes you know dark-skinned people it's like we talk about it a lot and what it means for us 
to like be in California doesn't that doesn't have that many black people who right. look like us. Right. Um, and to raise a person here with much more like care and thought than I think our parents did, mostly because their whole worlds were black mm-hmm. and it was assumed. And not that my parents are old. They're not. It just was like, my mom's like 54 years old. Like, it just happened to be that was what Oakland looked like. That's what Berkeley looked like. Those were the kind of circles they were in. Um, but I think, you know, we both had dramatic effects in terms of how we then went to school. Mm-hmm. I went to public school and he went to private school. So he was like the only black person until he was like 15. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was not the only black person. But, you know, I just feel like there's this weird thing, in, you know, California liberalism <laughs> that ignores the ways that anti-blackness actually really manifest here. And especially if you like look like we do, um, which is like without ambiguity mm-hmm. I'm, I'm becoming much more familiar with that <laughs> yeah yes. welcome to california <laughs> i love it here and also it's like oh, fuck like so yeah i think that part is like it's a real part of our relationship um i think we're extremely happy and jazz that we found each other and i feel mad blessed all the time that like of all the drama of being with another person <laughs> at the very least i'm like there is a a way that we don't have to contend with this. Yes. And that we can actually like find solace in each other um, around, you know, a whole host of everyday experiences, which can be janky. Mm. So janky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, have a partner so you can like not be janky together. And you're like, damn, that shit was janky. Whoa. Did you see what was happening out there? Yeah. Safe in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you interested at all in, do you consider gender? Are you interested in gender? What has that aspect of pregnancy been like for you? So funny. We don't know the genitals of the baby mm-hmm. and everyone loves to ask you. Of course. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> People are going to write and be like, damn, you didn't ask. So I kind of figured though. No, this is fine. Mm-hmm. I like, Well, you asked it in an actual like a, as a question and not as like a, a desired result. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what are you having? Like that. Exactly. <laughs> Where I'm like, I don't, a baby? I'm like, it's inside of my body. So I'm not really sure if their genitals have anything to do with, like, their life at this moment. Like, they're inside of me. I'm like, I hope they have them. I hope they're fully functioning. I hope they have a whole life that's filled with, like, pleasure and all the things from their body. But right now, they're inside of my body. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first part where I was like, eh, I don't care. And then I think we understand that Even, I mean, yeah, ultimately the federal government is going to mark a gender on the baby. But I think that Jahari and I are both deeply interested in being like, or just invested, I guess, overall in saying, hey, here is this gender that's been given to you. I don't know if it's true or not. It's up to you to decide. Mm -hmm. We'll support you. Whatever you want to do. You want to change your name? Cool. It's your name. Do whatever the fuck you want. We'll help you by doing all the paperwork, right? Because that shit does suck. But (laughs) overall, I'm just like, gender is not a fixed state. If you decide at any point in time that this is not true, you just tell us. And we're always going to work and negotiate around that. I think it's really important to us that nothing we decree for the baby is is, is fixed. yeah. Yeah, I'm like... So I want you to have my, you know, I might give you my grandmother's name. Right. But also that might not make sense for you. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing that'll continue is that you're mine. (laughs) (laughs) They'll fully be my child. They'll fully be mine. Um, I love that. Yes. I, I, 
wish I had that attitude when I was pregnant. Um, I mean, now I definitely do. And after Sergeant got here, I was like, it nothing matters. I love you so much. You're do a baby. It, you're a baby. Do whatever you want. Be whoever you yeah. want. But um, I, I think mine was more reactionary in response to that Sergeant's dad had two sons. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, be special. Be a girl. Be different. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think more than anything, finding out... Um, what body parts sergeant had was most exciting because i just liked saying like i have a penis inside of me all yeah. the time and i thought that was really funny um it is funny it's fucking weird it's <laughs> weird just floating in there yeah <laughs> um i kind of want to touch on you know something that came up during my pregnancy uh one i, I say this to everyone i think that pregnancy and in general huge life transitions tend to unearth whatever issues trauma Mm. that you thought that you had buried or had dealt with Um, and for me it helped me to seek out in a deeper way um, some sense of spirituality and what did that mean and what did that practice look like and how did I want to raise Sargent within a spiritual realm and so I'm curious about how does spirituality play a role in your life and if it's changed since you've been pregnant yeah that's great that's I'm like that's cool let me think (laughs) Uh, I don't, I mean, spirituality. I think that I have always, or since I, I don't know, for the last decade, I've always prayed to my ancestors and I've always had an altar. Again, I'm from the Bay Area, so I'm like, I'm sorry, but I've always had crystals (laughs) and candles and have cared about those things. Um, And my grandmother and my mom, even though they were like, you know, Protestants or like Baptists, um, still had this sort of relationship that was, I think, like, a lot of, like, black folks in the States where it was kind of hoodoo-ish sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. There was a little power there and magical thinking. And so I think that stuff has always kind of been true. I started meditating, like, uh, like doing TM, like, two, three years ago, two years ago. And that I'm pretty hardcore about. I mean, hardcore meaning I do it twice a day and have been doing that so for like hardcore. two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As they like you to do. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's really it. It's weird, you know, like I grew up in the church and I I love gospel music. I love like black familial connections, but I'm I'm not trying to make this kid go to no damn church. Like right. for all the other bullshit that happened there, I have like zero desire. And I think Jahari who also went to a Christian school and grew up in the church has the same kind of like feelings about it. So it's weird, you know, like that's religion Our spirituality or my spirituality, I think is pretty like, you know, I love some enchantments. (laughs) I love some gratitude writing. I really, you know, I do that every morning. Yes. I just, I believe in my capacity to manifest things. I'm like, yo, my life is like pretty tight. For all shit considered, I'm having a pretty good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to focus on those kinds of things and use like an amalgamation of shit. But it doesn't feel too, you know, like dedicated to any one particular thing. Right. Um, I, I guess I get worried about like demigod stuff <laughs> and me worshiping like an entity. Yeah. And like what that might mean for my my brain. <laughs> But I like shit. I like astrology. I like shit. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, give me a quick rundown. I mean, we know you're a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. I have a Virgo rising and I have an Aquarius moon. 
Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, that totally makes sense. Aquarius moon, like very intellectually driven, <laughs> yeah, that's right? Yeah, that's Aquarius are like the kooks of the Zodiac. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> and then all the good Taurus uh, helps me, you know, have nice things in my life. So keep it together. <laughs> have a good meal. Virgo makes me pretty clean. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know your Venus? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh -oh. an Aries. <laughs> oh. Okay. Passion and fire. I know. I always feel bad for everyone. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to be really nice to her. Like, not at all. And I no. have no recourse it's so good it's like <laughs> i think i have the worst venus placement it's in virgo and i'm like i'm sorry i will nitpick you to death because oh, i love you i just virgos. want you to be perfect oh man the virgo <laughs> game jahari's a virgo so it's mad funny uh, our house is very earth, earth yeah heavy cute yeah, nice. yeah, he's got a Capricorn moon. It's a oh, lot okay. of Earth up in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Poor little Pisces baby. I'm like, <laughs> or Aries, I guess, depending. Yeah, maybe, maybe Pisces. Well, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I can't um, do anything about it at this sure point. Sure can't. <laughs> I know, I was just praying. I was like, don't come early and be a Sag. Don't come late and be an Aquarius. Stay right here in this Capricorn bubble. Um, I, I kind of want to round out. Um, you have talked about I think I watched in a video that you did recently that I saw in Shondaland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. You know. Hard worker. Yes. Those guys are the best. Yeah. Lo I, I love that. And I really enjoyed that video. Um, I like some people that it introduced me to and getting to know you in a different way on the internet without talking to you. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I saw that you had mentioned... Um, you know, coming from your working class family and you were having a discussion or a moment about archiving mm -hmm. and the fact that your relationship with archives maybe have been strained does does that sound or feel right um yeah i wonder i mean <laughs> like, sounds I more serious that? than i think it, <laughs> it was, it was yeah i was feeling kind of goofy about it <laughs> well good <laughs> yeah so like all right so, you, so maybe you had this weird relationship with archiving in terms of like your familial relationships so i'm wondering now have you and jahari considered um how you plan on archiving your new family? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say, yeah, so we take a lot of photos, like um, 35 millimeter photos. So we have actual albums in our house and we've been doing that, I guess, since we met each other. Um, but it's been like a real thing that Jahari practices like more so than I do. But like we were in Ghana for the summer or like when I found out I was pregnant accidentally. <laughs> like those things happened at the same time and we're gone for a month. But like most of our, you know, documentation is like photos, like real material things. And so I think with the kid, we think about it like that as well. We're the yeah, currently I can't imagine putting their face on the Internet. Um, but I really like the idea of us having like hard copies of their life because that, that's how I really find pleasure and found pleasure growing up where like my grandma had. I don't know, like 30 albums and you just can go through them. Yes. And when she passed away, it was like really important that we all got to have some of them and also like digitize them so we could share and how that kind of like hard copy stuff. I think that was mostly I was just like, there's no there wasn't any art in my house growing up. There were a lot of photos that are just of people. Right. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And I just that was the art. It was just our family. You know, there wasn't like any Jacob Lawrence Prince or sure. Charles White Prince. You didn't have the funeral procession? <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> yeah, so it was, you know, but I, I really do. That's my value, I think. Yeah, and having those kind of 
hard copies because I look at those photos way more than I ever look at my 10,000 photos on my phone. <laughs> I have no fucking so idea what's on there. <laughs> true. So true. I think, uh, you know, being parents in the age of the internet and social media, that's, that is the big question. It's like, will I put my kid on the internet? And I think I had very specific feelings about it that mean absolutely nothing now. Yeah. Right? You know, because then you're like, oh, you're so cute. You are cute. Everyone says how cute you are. Post. Okay, fine. I thought that about my pregnancy, too. I was like, I'm not going to, like, say shit and yeah. just people can see me and, like, know or be suspicious. Right. Or be like, damn, now, should I say? That's how I felt. I saw you and I was like, she looks pregnant. <laughs> I don't know if I should say something. And then we got cool-ass photos taken by our homies, and I was like, damn, these photos are good. And I was like, I'm put this photo up. Because, yep. shit. <laughs> they did a good job. See me looking great on the internet. Why not? Moment of shine. Right? Very nice. Um, I so appreciate you. I want you to stick around for yeah. sliding in the DMs. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think this is going to be a good one for the both of us. For the both of us, um, considering our, I very limited knowledge right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So it's from Erica Hammonds. Erica is twenty five. She's from Nashville, Tennessee, and she says she's a music industry professional, which feels vague, but. <laughs> Thank you, Erica. Cool. Yes. So glad you wrote in. And she asks, advice for interviewing for jobs early in your pregnancy. When should I say anything? Ooh. Right. So uh, that is a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. I didn't say anything for so long because I'm freelance and I got a little nervous that people wouldn't a take me seriously anymore or kind of like Isn't cut my contracts. Nuts? Yeah, it's legal too, but... I reminded people of that in job <laughs> interviews. <laughs> so it's illegal to discriminate against me being pregnant. Yep. Um, so I didn't say anything for a really long time. I think in part too, because, you know, anything could happen at any moment. And, you know, it's really up to you to how comfortable you feel. I also didn't really show until I was in my third trimester. So it was easy enough for me to hide. Right. Um... And then at some point I was just like, I'm tired and in part it's because I'm pregnant and I need to like make that known. And I also want to take time off right? Um, at least a month from like writing an email to someone if I can help it. <laughs> so I, I think it was pretty late in the game, like seven months, eight months maybe before I was yeah. like, hey. So like I a month pregnant. or two ago. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I am pregnant <laughs> at the end of the year, basically. Yeah. And I will not be around for a month, but trying to handle as much as I can. And I also am like, I feel lucky enough that my pregnancy has been pretty easy and I've been able to like kind of keep working and not feel yeah. too, too tired. I mean, I'm tired, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's totally fine. Yeah. I feel like late. I don't know. <laughs> they don't have to know late? right now. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I remember being five months pregnant and I had started popping. I was like, oh damn, that people gonna see. Yeah. <laughs> but I had like a heavy sweater on and I was going to this job interview and I was like, I ain't saying nothing. Cause you're not gonna hire me. I know you're not gonna yeah. hire me if I'm pregnant. Cause you're gonna be like, she's gonna be out of here. Yeah. And then collecting that maternity leave, you damn right I am. That yeah. was the plan. And uh then by the end of the interview we were just like key king and I knew I didn't really want the job. I was like, by the way, I'm pregnant. And he was like, wow. Yeah, I didn't know. Stand up. Ah, yeah, I see it now. I was like, great. So I don't know, Erica, I would say depending on you said you're in the music industry. Sounds like 
could be some shady judgment. Mm-hmm. I say lie, lie, lie. Absolutely. Nobody's business. People need to know. Get your money. Yeah. They need to know when they need to know. Period. But right now is not when they need. <laughs> I'm, like, that's that's for you. Yes. Have something for yourself. Yes! You know, You're like everyone doesn't get everything. Make your Instagram private. I don't know. Black Oop. people. Black people. That's it. Get so. that little close friends and use that shit. Exactly. And have a good old time being pregnant on close friends. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that feature. Uh, so hopefully that was helpful, Erica. And of course, Essence, thank you tremendously. Thanks for having me. Of course. Probably next time I see you. I have a baby outside of my body. <laughs> That'll be really fun. <laughs> um, until next time. Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs>